A lot of people don't know this, but I grew up very religious, um, super religious, so religious, in fact, that whenever I said a swear word in my head, I would have to apologize to God. And because your mind is impulsive, obviously, I would swear again in my mind and I would apologize again. And I would be like, say a swear word and apologize. I swear, say a swear word and apologize. I'd be on these loops for hours and hours and hours until I forgot about it or got distracted or something like that. I remember one memory in my childhood. I was walking through this bright, beautiful field. I was walking home from school because we didn't have school buses in the city. Um, I was walking home from school in this bright field. And it was uh, probably spring, April or May or something like that. School was close to ending. And there were dragonflies flying over. And the entire way home, I was just, you know, in that loop. And in that cycle, I swear, apologize, swear, apologize. It was one of the craziest things in the world. Um, what this episode is about is how is it that you indoctrinate someone to the point where, you know, as I was, I religiously uh, um, adhered to the guidelines uh, of the practice that you want, you know, you, you don't, you want them to follow. Um, and so that's what this episode is about. But my name is Dallas Prater, obviously. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, the Becoming the Character podcast. I do want to say before I begin this episode, um, we're doing the Becoming the Character Summit on September 28th. It'll teach you uh, how you become a character, you know, how you win the loyalty following wallets in adoration of the masses uh, for whatever demographic that you want to you want to effectuate change within. Um, and so what the summit is, it would take 20 to 30 uh, people who've actually done it, you know, people who have their own follow mass followings and mass movements and become extremely wealthy. Therefore, um Think of when you think of characters. Think of maybe even people like Joel Osteen. He just bought a Ferrari, and so that's big news and and things like that. Um, he has this mass following of people who believe in him and follow his word and what he believes in, and everything like that. Um, we have twenty to thirty people, mostly entrepreneurs, who actually done it and have their own tribe, who would pretty much do whatever it is they, that they say and pay them anything for a product um, when they put it on the market. Um, and they basically what I ask each of these entrepreneurs is. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a nobody, how would you become a somebody, a magnetic, influential, irresistible somebody within 30 days and get it all back? And so that summit's absolutely free. It'll be four days of straight live videos, um, live interviews, and uh, when it's gone, it's gone. But it's absolutely free. So if you want to watch it on September 28th when it actually airs, just go down below into the description and join the Facebook group. It's the Becoming the Character Club. Join the Facebook group, and we're going to premiere it live on September 28th. I want all of you to be there. It'll be super cool. Um, but yeah, I was extremely religious when I was younger. Uh, my grandmother um, was responsible for a lot of that. You know, obviously as as a character in a household, since she's a she's she's the head of that you know her household and in a lot of black families the head of the family um she wanted to influence us to follow a particular set of practices because she believed that was the straight and narrow she believed that that was the right path um and many parents want this for their kids but many many parents have trouble breaking through to their kids and actually imparting to them the beliefs that they want them to follow um, parents try everything under the sun, but when it comes to influence and changing people's minds and changing their their set of beliefs, uh, very few uh, methods are actually effective. And so, one of the things that my grandmother did, you know, uh, she was pretty pretty clever about it. She wanted to influence us. She wanted us to effectuate change, and obviously, she wanted us to go to heaven and and, and things like that. Um, 
but when we were young, man, my grandma, my grandmother, man, she knew, she absolutely knew we loved to be around her. We loved her stories the most. Like we loved her to tell stories more than anything. Uh, late summer nights, we would just sit out in the backyard, you know, crickets, water bugs running around under the spotlight of her, um, her backyard lamp, um, right above the door. And we would just sit in the chairs and sit back, you know, sit, you know, kick back and, and just listen to her talk. And then she would tell stories every day. And most of her stories, this is what she did. Most of her stories, because she knew we loved to tell stories, had some element of religion in how, you know, she would, within the narrative, she would embed a, a, a motif of how being a good Christian or being religious um, had changed the course of her life uh, in, in an indefinitely beneficial way. And, uh, so she would sit us out back and she'd tell us stories. And some of them were her own. Uh, a lot of them were her own. You know, uh, she would tell us a story about how when her mother passed away, she came back and she had a huge jewel in the middle of her forehead. You know, um, kind of like little Uzi. But like she said, it was one of the most beautiful, big, bright diamonds she ever seen. And she said, heaven is a beautiful place. Um, and that was, uh, I believe, the last time she saw her mother. And she's been, she tells the story to this very day. And I really do believe it's something that she experienced like... Um, I don't think my grandmother has a lying bone in her body, you know, but, um, alongside those stories, what she would do is she was scattering, scattering, uh, you know, you know, uh, stories and, and, and lore and, and things like that, because there's so much fantasy and so much mythology and it's just, it's just so exciting. Um, not to say it's fantasy, like it's invalid or it's not true, but it's exciting is what I'm saying. Uh, she would scatter in. You know, along with her personal stories, stories from the Bible and things that happened in the past and how the world became the way it is. And our child minds just, you know, glow up. And so um, with time, obviously, we had, um, you know, uh, our own ways of being like we had our own objections to what it is that she was telling us you know really it's in a form with kids and curiosity and questions kids we had so many questions we pushed the lines and every time she we would push the line you know uh, the book of the bible and her own life history being 50 years beyond us um or 60 70 years beyond us really it is it, my grandma's around to this day by the way i told my girlfriend a story in the past um and it made it seem like my grandmother passed away she's 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 alive and well um but she would you know every time instead of you know uh a lot of kids would be annoyed with their kid you know with, with a lot of parents would be annoyed with their kid acts kids asking um and just say hey, you know this is this is what it is you know just believe me i'm your parent uh, but every time we came with an objection she would come with another story from maybe the bible or her personal life just to tell us you know just to to, to reinforce that which she had already laid down and um you know, by the time we was five, six, seven years old, uh, we were we were all super religious. You know, my brother recently graduated. He had like a religious, you know, um, text on his on his on his cap. Um, all my brothers, you know, carry Bibles and and things of the sort that way. Um, just through the the stories that she would tell us, you know, and and also she incentivized uh, church going. We went to church every Sunday. Uh, we would go to church. Uh, we have a church in our family. Weirdly enough, um, we would go to church and tarry and pray for the Holy Ghost and on late nights we'd go to church and clean up and it was always a good experience you know um one of the biggest challenges in my ch childhood was uh my grandma said she'd take us to Toys R Us if we learned all the books of the bible and so we learned all the books of the bible uh in in, in chronological order and recited them in front of the church and and then she brought us uh to, to Toys R Us I think we got Yu-Gi-Oh cards that day but um 
just from the stories our grandmother would tell us. Like we became very, you know, privy to 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 Christianity and, and very hardcore fans of it. Now, I'm not so much religious nowadays, but a lot of my brothers are, and, and most people, you know, that grew up in the United States or anywhere, regardless of which religious text you consume, this was the process of growing up, and this is how they become the way they become. I mean, even if you think about the structure of churches, churches are just, you know, the pastor he tells stories of whatever religious figure you know, is the most essential within your text or within your book or within your religion or within your community. Um, and they would just go to church and they tell stories and stories from, from, from books which are comprised of stories and lore and narrative. Um, and that's how people become the way that they become. And so I say that to say this. Um, no matter which character you are or which demographic you're speaking to, um, the primary way in which you'll um, change your tri- you know, change strangers or in, in, in captivate strangers and magnetize them to your tribe. The most primary way you'll get them to adopt the beliefs of yours is through this same process. Um, uh, belief is governed by story. The human brain and the way it works is through narrative, right? Um, everything in the human brain is a narrative. We don't actually decide or believe or feel things based off facts and things that are true. Um, facts and things that are true are completely up to perception in most of the time in reality. Um, and perception is left up to the stories that we tell ourselves. Um, for somebody, anybody that's religious, if you're religious, like, you know, your God is the only God. And that's absolute truth to you, right? There's undeniable truth to that. Um, But that, you know, that was, you know, that, that, that truth of yours was delivered to you on the back of a narrative, on the back of a story, um, your religious book, maybe it was just, just a complete story. Um, not to say it's false, but it, but it's like a literal story. Like, you know, you read it and things like that. Um, I remember Stephen Larson, he has this thing on YouTube called, called the fake, fake book story. And what he does is, you know, he tells this long story, uh, about, you know, when he was a struggling entrepreneur and he tells the story of you know being a struggling entrepreneur one day he figures out his wife can't eat um because he doesn't have enough money which was actually true and he called his father up to ask for a loan into his student loans paid him back and he was able to eat again um his father said no and he's just trying to figure out this entrepreneur thing because his life is in a rut and he's walking down the street you know uh and it's, it's raining and it's cloudy and He's just completely upset about his life. And he says, you know, there's this entrepreneur uh, ahead of him, this rich business guy. You know, uh, a chauffeur is walking him to his car. He opens the car door. Uh, it's like a Rolls Royce fan, a super fancy car. He opens his car door and the fancy guy sits inside. Um, just type in on Google if you haven't heard the story yet. I don't want to spoil it for you. Stephen Larson fake book story. Um, and, and so the entrepreneur sits in the car. And, um, you know, this, you know, he says the, uh, the, the chauffeur has unusually stiff posture, you know, like chauffeurs do in movies. Um, the chauffeur goes and gets in the front of the guard. But as this business guy is closing his door, you know, the clouds is parting and the light shining on him. Like he says, like really cliche what happened. And he, you know, he's just compelled. He just starts running. He's running, he's running, he's running. And before the door stops, he puts his foot in the door and stops it. And this guy in the back of the car, this rich guy is looking at him and he assesses the situation and, you know, understands, you know, Stephen Larson is, 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 is not, not there to harm him, 
but then he says to um Stephen Larson like you know what is it that you want Stephen Larson said you know this everybody says you know the way to be an entrepreneur the way to be successful is do all these long lists of things but how is it that I do it how is it actually I've been trying for years how is it that I get this how is it you do it um he says the guy handed him a book and you know from there you know fast forward three years later, he said read this book and you'll have everything that I have here and three years later you know from reading what was in the book um his life was changed completely obviously Stephen Larson has done a million in sales in a day and all that um a lot of the details of the story is true other than the fact that this entrepreneur and this man that existed um um within his story didn't exist in reality and the book you know wasn't a real book you know but you know when he presents this 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 narrative to to his audience uh you can't fact check it you can't you don't know whether it's truth or not um you know he says hey who wants this book you know he causes stage rushes of his events people go and try to buy this book because it's our it's 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 objective truth in their mind that this book is the key to their success and people fight he said a nfl hall of famer rushed the stage and tackled him to get the book um just for it to be unveiled that the story isn't real you know like his wife starving needing student loans his dad denying him all that's real just the part about the book and the entrepreneur and running up to stop the card it's not but the point he's trying to make is that people want to buy this book because the story implanted within them the belief that this book was the key to their success it's not necessarily about truth or facts because most things in reality my, my girlfriend said this the other day you know um uh, when it comes to a lot of sexual assault victims, you know, people say they're a liar. Well, I don't believe them. You know, they think it's true that they're lying, arbitrary, you know, ob- objectively. But the fact of the matter is, she she says this is that you can't really prove any crime. You know, um, like if somebody like, but if someone comes up to you and says, "Oh, this guy stole something from me. He stole my watch," um, you wouldn't say that person was a liar, right? Um, you know, even if like even if the other person didn't have the watch, it was nowhere to be seen. You'd be like kind of suspicious, like okay, well he stole his watch. Why did he steal his watch? You wouldn't say they were a liar. Um, the narratives that we are raised on and the narratives we are told really define reality. It's not about what's objectively evidenced to be true. Um, and to extend that idea, what you said is that no crime in reality, if you really think about it, can be declared objectively true. Unless you have witnesses that watch somebody do it. But even then, um, or, or unless you have video camera evidence, it's the only crime that you can definitively say is true. You know, um, other than that, every crime is your word versus mine. You know, even if somebody like in the most evidence crime, oh, this person still stole my car. And you see, lo and behold, this person has their car with their license plate and everything. But how is it that you know? That that person didn't just give them the car or let them borrow the car. You're trusting their word versus theirs. Usually, you now obviously in some cases the story might not corroborate, but most, you know, uh, crimes you cannot definitively prove. You, you you really have no evidence for any crime that's ever committed, and, and and that's the truth of the matter. But we believe based on the narratives and the stories that they tell us around it. Not all not based off hardcore truth or evidence or logical reason or any of this because people assume there's so much of all of the above. Um, you know, uh, narrative, you know, the point I bring in narrative is how we as characters bring belief into the world. And, you know, there's a lot of way to structure story and a lot of way to structure narrative. I have the extra secrets book in front of me. 
Um, you can get this book at expertsecrets.com. It tells you really how you structure stories to change people's minds with what Russell Brunson calls the epiphany bridge, bridge script. In most stories, what you want to do is understand where it is that a person wants, what, what result a person wants out of their life. Yeah, as, as a character, what you want to do is you want to determine what it is that someone wants out of their life, right? And then at the end of the story, the transformation and the achievement that they want has to be the end result of the character within the story. And the character has to serve as a, a blueprint that they can reverse engineer all the way back to the point in their life that they are at now. A story, um, if it's to be an effective story, it starts where the character, you know, where the person that, you know, the character, you, start where the audience is. The troubles and all the struggles and the desires that they go through. Um, and then it extends from that point through some of the challenges and the walls and roadblocks that they must face. And all the wants and desires and the things that they feel. And I do this literally every podcast. So every time I tell a story, I follow this structure because I've memorized it. Um, because I drink my own Kool-Aid. Um, but, but you know, pet, you know, it shows how you, you know, you, you know, the uh, progressing through the story shows the walls. They hit, then, then it shows the epiphany that helped you get around the wall, which is usually in most entrepreneurs case, um, a product or, or whatever it is that you want them to believe is the way. Um, you know, that's why a lot of marketers that are going to our internet be like, okay, I faced this and I struggled with this and I struggled with this until I discovered, uh, until I discovered, you know, insert whatever product they have until I discovered, you know, drop shipping and then drop shipping changed my life. And, you know, and by the time you get to the end of the story, you're the person that the, the, the audience aspires to be. And so the the story has to be a bridge between where they are now and where they, and what they want to become. It has to be a blueprint lined out for them. And that's the way belief beliefs are, are, are changed and transmutated because a lot of people, um, Oh, man, this is this is, this is a little too technical. Um, I, I'm I'm actually going to clean that up a little bit. Um, long story short, you know, stories uh, are an entrepreneur's greatest weapon. You know, when 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 you're raising kids, or our character's greatest weapon. When you're raising kids, or you're raising an audience, or you're talking to somebody, whether you're on the phone, everything in life is a sale. Uh, I was just um, at dinner with. My girlfriend, uh, her godmother, and her husband, um, and they run a, a, a big business. They run a great business. Um, yeah, they run a great business. Um, you know, this was Salt Bay's restaurant in Beverly Hills. You know, I'm sitting at the table with like seven dollars in my bank account or something like that, completely unable to afford what it is that they're buying, and they're just doing it like it's just nothing. Um, but one of the things that I talked about with you know, her godmother's husband is, is the idea that everything in your life, um, like he, he says he negotiates everything. Everything in your life is a sale. Every person in your life that you'll ever meet, you have to sell them and you have to use your narratives to erase the narratives that already exist within their mind. Um, completely interesting topic uh and they, you know he says that's one of the keys and secrets to how he's built his business and you know the life that he has and persevered through everything um and it's really true you know lifelong throughout every like even if like it's something as simple as a job interview um you have to sell that person on why you're the best person you have to write in their mind a narrative using the narratives that you offer to why it is that you're the best candidate for the position everything in life is a sale and it's no difference when your character 
trying to build an audience and trying to win their loyalty, their 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 money and their their adoration. Um, you have to align to them a story, uh, a, a rope that goes from their life to the next, um, their life to beyond, their life to, to greatness. Um, and that's your job. And they follow you as the leader through that journey, you know, not only as you tell it, but as they experiment with what it is that you've aligned with, you know, aligned within your story. Um, so, yeah, you know, the greatest thing that you can do as a character is to tell, a, you know, first off, what I do with this podcast is this. I l- literally go to my notepad every now and then and I write a series of stories um, that are targeted at obviously the false beliefs that y'all have, you know, uh, based on what I'm teaching. But, you know, I write a series of ideas that I want to communicate to the audience, things that I think, things like, like my, like my grandmother wanted to communicate to us the importance of religion. Um, I write the ideas that I want this audience to know and to take, take with them. And I write the stories that, that, that bought me from my old set of ideas into this new idea. I write my epiphany bridge stories. Um, and then I get on a podcast and I tell these stories, um, like the religion story. It's one of those. Um, and that story is to communicate that storytelling is important. Like, um, I write these stories out and I tell the stories on the podcast in particular episodes. And so with time, as you listen to this podcast, the things that you used to believe are being replaced by the things that I think you should believe that can ultimately change your life with the stories that got me to believe those things or the stories that got other people to believe those things. Um, you know, but that's what it's all about. It's all about, you know, telling stories and, 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 and breaking down. Now, I want to talk about the story, you know, the structure of a good story. I'm going to touch into it a little bit, but, you know, just off the top of the head, you know, the story always starts with a hook. It has to be interesting. Um, like ads, like, like Ty Lopez, he told, the, you know, here in my garage, brand new Lamborghini. Um, it starts with a hook. It starts something to draw the audience in. All storytelling structures are really the same. Um, and story is strong. It, it gets you to believe in the things that you objectively know aren't true. That's why you feel emotions when a character dies in a movie, um, they're not real. The character's not really dying, but you know your brain is so narrative-driven that it really feels like it lost a friend. It convinced you that he was a friend or she was a friend in the first place at all. Um, but to continue along, what I'm saying, you know, stories all start with a hook, and then they go into the backstory. You want to set up context for the rest of the story and what it is that people should know before you continue along with the story. Uh, the background usually lays out the setting. Uh, of where you were and also it aligns with where your audience is so as they're reading the story they can look around and be like yeah this is my life I can somebody finally relates to me somebody can finally hears me and, and feels what I got to say um from the background you cover the wants and desires you know um you talk about the internal and then also the external desires of somebody within those positions um because again they want to like somebody to relate to they say oh yeah like I feel that you're like internally that's something that I want or externally that's something I want I want a new house I want a new Lamborghini just like he wanted um and then obviously you progress to where you have it and they're like oh so this is how he did it um from there from the internal external beliefs you talk about the wall you know when you went to go forward what's the wall that you hit what are some of the uh the 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 troubles that you actually ran into um and from there, I'm actually going to just bring up the script in the book because it's right in front of me. I might as well get it straight from the horse's mouth because this is literally where I learned it. I learned it in this book, from this book, Expert Secrets. Jeez, um, where's the storytelling structure? And from the wall, um, I believe you go... 
Yeah, from the wall, you uh, have an epiphany. And so the epiphany, like I said, is it's whatever new belief you think people should believe. So you started out in your journey, you believe real estate was the way to be rich, and you struggled, and you struggled, and you struggled. And then you realize, oh, stocks is the way that I will get rich, is your epiphany. And so people who are struggling with real estate, if that's your audience, they say, oh, he, he broke through with stocks, so maybe I should try stocks. And then you tell them the part of the story where you made a plan, um, and the plan ran into conflict. And then... Uh, right at the end of the story, you know, like like every movie, you know, you surpass conflict and you get a result. You get, a, you know, an achievement and a transformation because everybody wants something at the end of the day. Everybody wants the gold medal, but everybody, you know, really wants the the the, the person that they think the gold medal will make them. They feel, they want to be a, a, a cool person, a person that's loved and revered by society. They want to feel something more than they want a, a result or a thing. And so at the end, you know, you tell them about the achievement and the transformation. I know that was a little long-winded and a little complex for the podcast. I'm sorry about, about that. But I kind of just freestyled these podcast episodes off of the top of my head. And so, you know, there you go. Uh, but story is important. Story is literally everything. And that's the secret weapon of all characters. The way a character will build an audience is by perpetuating stories within audiences that already exist and changing their mind. Uh, implanting in them the beliefs that you know that they should have uh, to qualify to follow you and be part of your tribe. Um, you know, to add on top of that, you know, I, I do want to say, man, I want you to go listen back to an old episode of mine. The old episode is with a guy named Luis Camejo. Uh, it's literally a few pockets episodes ago. Um, he's from Venezuela. Um, and Luis, uh, you know, he grew up in a point in Venezuelan history where you know, it was going from the country that it was into a more communist country, a more of a dictatorship kind of thing. And he, I remember the pockets, though, he's describing, you know, the process of watching this all happen. And one of the things that he says in his story is that, you know, everybody like in Brazil, all the classes, all, you know, the, the rich people and the poor people in the middle class, they all hung out together. They all would sit at the same bar and no one had a problem with anyone else. Um it wasn't until the new person came and taken over the company, the new oligarchy came, took over the country and, you know, started to take over the news stations. What they did was I think they outlawed and made like private radio stations and podcasts and things like that. They banned them and everything was state sponsored. And on all the channels, all they played was the narratives that supplemented the ideas of communism. Um, and slowly he watched uh, as um you know, certain friends that he had would stop hanging out with him, um, you know, where it would never happen before, you know, he got kidnapped, um, you know, people who would sit together and play together and, and, and be friends again, they, they suddenly were rifts between them, um, because society was experiencing, you know, the greatest weapon that any character can have, which is their narratives and their lore, and it was influencing and having a mass captivating uh, effect on the minds of people would capture their minds and and, and, and and persuaded them to believe things that they wouldn't necessarily believe. The device to do it was stories um, and narratives. Um, you know, uh, like somebody who watches, you know, Fox News or CNN a lot will believe and assume the cultures of Fox News or CNN. If you watch CNN a bunch enough, you'll become a liberal. If you watch Fox News enough, you'll become a, um, what, is, what, is, what is it, not a liberal? You'll become a conservative. Or, or if you watch CNN, you'll become a Democrat. If you watch Fox News, you'll become a Republican and vice, you know, it goes all around the board. You know, all t television, if you join Twitter, you'll become a Democrat. You know, uh, it's, it's just all through narratives, you know, 
both sides, you know, for some reason, definitively believe that they have that they know objective truth, right? And so, riddle me this: if both sides definitively believe that they have objective truth, um, and these both sides are mass, then by default, one side must be wrong. You know, can't both sides think differently and have and both be truthful, right? I mean, I mean, they they may be, yeah, sure, but but one side is more truthful and one side is not. Is the point that I'm delivering. And if both sides believe that they know definitive truth, they have the solid belief in what it is that they're saying, but one side is wrong and one side is right, one side has facts and one side doesn't, then what is the common denominator here? when it comes to uh, the the maintenance of those beliefs. Because both sides can't have evidence. Both sides can't have facts. One side does and one side doesn't, but both sides have belief. And so the common denominator when it comes to belief isn't facts. It isn't truth. It isn't what's real. It's narrative. Both sides are being delivered narrative. Um, any dictatorship in the world, um, the way... If, you know, one of the most critical things that they will always do, whether it's Germany or any other country, is that they'll outlaw all, you know, other literature, all of the narratives, and they'll have state-sponsored literature and narratives delivered to the people. They'll they'll have state-sponsored stories and, and literature and everything delivered to the people. Uh, and that's how most indoctrination is done. Um, and this is so powerful to the point where people in reality, you know, not too long ago, within our grandparents' lifetime... Uh, took other human beings and put them in ovens that is literally how powerful story and narrative is um yeah that's the secret law secret weapon of 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 characters uh it's 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 the stories and how you know the stories that they bring and so what you have to focus on as a character is writing out all the stories that you know can sway people's beliefs into into the you know in, in into the form that you would desire write out all the narratives all the stories that you have and then when you go to make content, don't make educational content. Don't teach people things. Just tell them stories and narrative. Um, super important. And that can, you know, here's the thing. You can teach someone something, but if they don't believe in it, then the information is useless. If somebody believes in themselves as an entrepreneur, they'll go learn all that stuff on their own. You see what I'm saying? So teaching isn't really, it doesn't even have enough utility if there's no belief. And so there you have it. But uh, I do want to say, again, Becoming the Character Summit, September 28th. Join the summit. You really don't want to miss this summit. Go down and join the Facebook group below to actually take the summit for free. It'll be live for three days or four days. And when it's gone, it's gone. I want you to join and watch the summit because I promise you it'll blow your mind. Um, that's all I really have to say. This is Dallas Prater. This is the Becoming the Character podcast. I appreciate you so much for listening. Subscribe to this podcast. Listen to this podcast in the future. I promise it can change your life with time. Subscribe, rate, and review. Peace out.